Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service.
Thank you guys so much for being with us this morning. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Welcome to Easter services here at Fellowship Church. We're so thankful and so appreciate you guys being here today. Many of you were invited by a guest this morning, and maybe this is your first time here, and thank you for coming. I want you to know you're standing around people that are just like you. Many people come to church, and they feel like, well, they're stuck in a situation. Maybe that they're feeling a little hopeless, or they think that things aren't going to change. But our Heavenly Father brought His Son up out of the grave to let all of us know that nothing is impossible with Him. So you're never truly stuck. You're never truly hopeless. You can have a new beginning, and that new beginning can start today. This morning, as you were take part in this service, I pray that you allow it to be that new beginning for you. Whatever you've come this morning, whether it be just simply because it's an Easter service, I pray that you would sense the Holy Spirit here. I pray you listen closely to God's Word. If you're not sure you have a home forever in heaven, you'll be given an opportunity to pray a prayer and do so today. But if you feel stuck in any area of your life, you're going to find out this morning that God is a God who brings dead things back to life. Come on down. Those of you that are comfortable with it, come on down front and worship with us. We got room. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Put your hands together. Come on. It's Saturday was silent. It surely was through. But since when has impossible ever stopped you? Yeah. If Friday's disappointment, if Sunday's empty tomb, but since when has impossible ever stopped you? Yeah. Come on, lift your voice and sing. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Yeah. This is the praise, make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling.
addiction starts to break. Clearing there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your in no other name but his name. And he is risen today, and that's why we're gathered, is to celebrate the resurrected Jesus in this place. Well, good morning, church family. I love to pray together. Jesus, thank you that you are here, that you are not in a grave somewhere, but you are alive and well, that we can feel and sense your presence in this room, not only today, but every time we gather as your sons and daughters, and we are so grateful that you would love us so much, that you would leave heaven, that you would be born of a virgin, that you would live a perfect life as an example to us and point us towards the Heavenly Father, and then that while we were still sinners, that you would die on the cross 
for us. And then to prove that you had the ability to fulfill every promise you and the Father ever made, you rose yourself up from the grave. And now here we are getting to celebrate that beautiful truth, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, hello, church family. Happy Resurrection Day. If you would, turn and greet those around you. We are so excited to be in God's house this morning. If you're joining us online, we'd love to extend a very special welcome to you as well. So glad that you're able to live stream with us. We would love to have you right in the uh, chat where you're watching from or what you're up to this weekend, as well as if you have any prayer needs, you can throw those in the chat and our staff will be happy to pray for you, not just today, but throughout the week. Well, guys, I'm so pumped to see you all in God's house. The nine o'clock service was amazing. God did so many cool and beautiful things, and I believe that he is going to do the same thing again. If you are a guest or a visitor here at Fellowship Church and you'd like to make that known to us, we'd love to invite you to text the word fellowship to the number 94,000. What that'll do is lead you through a quick series of questions, help our staff make a connection with you, and in the end, we will invite you to a guest reception. There's actually one that takes place two weeks from today that you could attend, and we'd like to make that opportunity available to you. If you would like to meet us in person, we would love that as well. We have an information counter in the lobby. You can stop by. Let them know that you're a guest. If you do that, you get a gift bag of a ton of cool stuff. And you'll also get a gift card to go to the church bookstore um, and specialty coffee drink. And you can use that card next week when you come back or a future week and cash that in for the specialty drink of your choice. But we're just glad you're here. And we would love to get to know you in future weeks. Um, there are many ways that you can get involved at Fellowship Church with the giving. And what's so beautiful is there are so many of us. And when we come together and we pool our finances together, we are able to do so much for the kingdom of God. We're able to feed the poor. We're able to meet the tragedies as they happen around the world. We have people in place to be able to release resources to those as well as to build the kingdom of God right here in Mesa County. So that's one of the main reasons that we give a tithe and an offering is also to say to God that we trust him. So as I was praying, God, what do you want me to say in this moment right here that we're at? What I heard him say is that because the tomb is empty, you don't have to be empty. You don't have to be empty of faith. You don't have to be empty of hope. You don't have to be empty of protection. And you don't have to be empty of provision. And so God invites us to partner with him together with our finances. And the way we do that is through giving here in the local church. And then the local church helps disperse that to the kingdom of God around the world. So invite you to do that. There are all kinds of ways to give and all the directions are available to you on the side screens. But I'm going to pray over your finances in your family. God, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would bring abundance into each family that's represented in this room, that you would provide for their financial needs according to your riches and glory. You don't lack anything, but you still ask us to give to you as a sign of trust. And when we do, you said you'll unleash untold resources into our lives, and we thank you for that promise. And we pray that it would come to pass in the lives of those in this room and watching online. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, guys, there is so much happening around the church. I'd love to show you this video of what's coming up. Happy Easter. Now, if you're here for the first time or if you're newer to the church, we want to invite you to our next guest reception. The guest reception is a free breakfast hosted in between our services and is a great place to meet some of our staff, take a tour of the facility, check out the groups and classes that we have going on, and it gives you an opportunity to ask any questions that you would like. The next guest reception will be in two weeks. That's Sunday, April 23rd at 10 a.m. It's gonna be in the Monument Room. You can register for this on the Church Center app or drop by the Next Steps counter for more information. Baby dedications will be one week from today on April 16th. This is a spiritually significant milestone for the whole family. When you dedicate your child, you're choosing to make some parenting decisions that honor God and bring your child up in the ways of the Lord. The dedications will happen during the worship set on Sunday as each family will be led through a prayer with a staff member or one of our prayer counselors. You can register for the baby dedication on the Church Center app. Starting on April 23rd is a course called Rooted. Now, Rooted is the best way to connect here and make our big church feel smaller. Rooted will do two things for anyone that attends. One, it will give you a solid biblical foundation of the Christian faith as you grow closer to Jesus no matter how long you've walked with him. 
and it will put people in the same age and stage of life around you as you journey through the course. This study provokes questions and conversations and offers a comfortable group experience designed to give you a glimpse of your story within God's story. In a world that is isolated and empty, Rooted offers community and generosity. Rooted will start on Sunday, April 23rd at 9 a.m. So you can attend Rooted and then come to the 11 a.m. service each week. The cost for this course is $25, which will cover coffee and snacks, as well as the course workbook. You can sign up for Rooted on the Church Center app or drop by the Next Steps counter. April 29th and 30th plays host to this year's ShareFest weekend. ShareFest is an amazing serving opportunity where we as a church join over 30 other churches and serve the Grand Valley as our mission field. We do this by adopting projects from people in our community that couldn't complete them on their own. Most of the projects include getting swamp coolers ready for the summer, yard work, trimming, helping paint or stain fences and decks, and some specialized needs like putting in gates or fixing fences or installing swamp coolers. On both ends of the lobby, look for the gray boards that say ShareFest. On each one, you will find projects that are in need of volunteers to commit to leading or working on a crew. If you aren't sure where to start, you can sign up on the Church Center app and we can place you on a crew for a project that's needed most. Now, as always, if you missed anything or want to stay up to date, visit www.fellowshipgga.com events. Enjoy the rest of today's service. Resurrection Day, Fellowship Church. It's been an incredible week here at Fellowship. God has blessed in such incredible ways with last week with Palm Sunday and, and just, you know, the Lord is just working and it is so cool to see what God is doing, not only in the weekends here at Fellowship, but also throughout the week. He's doing something special. Now, when you approach a week like this, it makes you ask some questions sometimes. I mean, for me, I asked myself the question about thinking what it must have been like to live in Jerusalem during Jesus's ministry. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome to jump in a time machine, pull a Bill and Ted, you know? I know I just dated myself, but pull a Bill and Ted and just go back in time and witness the miracles that happened during Jesus's ministry. When he turned the water into wine, he took a paralyzed man and made him walk again. When he had Lazarus, he raised him from the dead days after he had died. And wouldn't it be incredible to see his interactions, his interactions with the religious people? These guys were so smart and educated and they would try to trap him, you know, with, with questions. They would try to trap him to make some comment to where he would get himself into trouble. But Jesus was always one step ahead of him. He always dealt with those guys. He always straightened them out. Then what about interactions with kids? We know that Jesus loved children. We know that he had a special place in his heart for them. Could you imagine him sitting down and just hanging out with your kids? And then how about his family? We talked about some of the struggles of family dynamics last week and how issues can arise and, and dealing with, with siblings and aunts and uncles. I mean, could you imagine having the son of God living in your house? <laughs> can you imagine the discussions that would bring up among the siblings, among his parents? And then what about his relationship with his best friends? Wouldn't it have been neat to see how he interacted with the 12? There's actually a TV series on right now called The Chosen. Now, I don't know if you've been able to see that or not, but if you haven't, I would recommend that you watch it. Two seasons are on Prime. You can watch them there, or you can download The Chosen app, and you can watch all three seasons on that app. It's incredible to see uh, them put to, on film this, this interaction and this ministry between Jesus, his disciples, and then the people. And you really get to know Jesus in a, in a different way. You get to know the disciples in a different way. Now, you got to understand it's a TV series, so they do fill a lot of spots there. It's not like the, they, they follow everything scripturally because they are trying to tell a story. They're trying to make a TV show. So not everything you watch is actually biblical, but most of it is. And it is incredible to see uh, such a wonderful job done with this particular story. Now, you think about all that, 
and you think about, well, where would I want to be placed in time if I could go back? What if I could go back on the day of Palm Sunday? the triumphant entry of Jesus. When he was on a donkey and he was coming into Jerusalem and crowds of people like a parade were in the city laying down palms because they were worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. To think that the the energy that must have been in that area because they were worshiping and had waited so long for the Messiah and he was finally there. And then you go a little later on into the week what would it have been like to be in the upper room? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being with them, with the 12 and with Jesus? And if so, if you were there, would you have a seat at the table? Well, I think to answer that question, I think we need to answer the question of who was there? Who were these 12? You see at this supper, God or Jesus called his best friends together to have one last meal. You see, he knew what was coming. He knew that in the next few hours, he was gonna be taken away and suffer an awful death. And so he wanted to have a meal, a conversation with the guys that he had spent the last three years with. He wanted to reassure them of their future and give them some teaching that would last the test of time. And this teaching lasts the test of time. These guys were a lot like us. I mean, you think about it, Simon Peter. Of course, he was known as Simon first. Jesus changes his name later. He was a fisherman. He was married. And Peter was probably a type A personality. So he was a choleric, if you've ever done those personality profiles. So he was really driven. He was really spunky. He tended to, 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 to say things he shouldn't and speak up when he shouldn't. Tended to fly off the handle at times. He became a very gifted teacher, a bold leader. Many scholars believe that even though Peter didn't write a gospel, it was his account that was used to write the gospel of Mark. Jesus called him though and changed his name from Simon to Peter, which is translated from Petra, which is the rock. And he told him, upon you, I will build this church. He was on Jesus's inner circle of three. And if you'll remember, Peter was the one that walked on water. He walked on water to Jesus. Later on, on this night, he would cut off the ear of a soldier that is trying to arrest Jesus which proves even more what kind of a personality that he had. He also, though, before the next morning, denies he knows Jesus three times. Man, what a failure. What a failure to do life with Jesus and in this ministry for three years. Be willing to kill for him, but also within the same night, deny that he ever knew him. Most people would never recover from that. But Peter did. About 53 days after this night, he preaches at the day of Pentecost where 3,000 people are saved and the Holy Spirit comes and the first church is born. Now we know historically Peter was put to death in in his early 60s by the emperor Nero and refused to die the same death as Jesus and was crucified upside down. He said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to die like Jesus is. You're gonna kill me. You have to kill me in a different way. Well, then there was James and John. They were also fishermen. And these two brothers are called the sons of thunder by Jesus. The sons of thunder. Doesn't that sound like a professional wrestling team's name, right? And you just hear that, ladies and gentlemen, in this corner, the sons of thunder. Now, we don't really know why they called them the sons of thunder. It may have been because of their speech. It could have been because of their tempers or maybe their ambition. They are the other two in Jesus's inner circle. We talked about last week, the importance of having an inner circle of people in your life, friends that are close to you, friends that you can trust, friends that you tell everything to. Well, these two guys made up and completed that circle for Jesus. Many scholars believe that John was the closest to Jesus. In fact, he's known as the one Jesus loved. John wrote the gospel of John along with first, second and third John and also the book of Revelation. 
So we know that he saw visions, he dreamed dreams, he saw prophetic things to come. Now in the next few hours, Peter, James, and John are asked by Jesus to come away with him to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and to keep watch. Jesus was trying to get his strength up for what was to come. And he wanted his three closest friends by his side. Now, John is believed to be the only apostle that died of old age. Legend has it that James spread the gospel to Spain and that his body is actually buried there today in Santiago. He was the first apostle martyred and he was killed by Herod 20 years before Peter. Then there's Andrew, another brother, Peter's brother, in fact, also a fisherman. His name comes from the Greek word Andrea, meaning courageous or manly. He was also a disciple of John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus. He was the first apostle called and was the first to claim Jesus was Messiah. Andrew was the one that, that found the boy that had five loaves and the two small fishes when Jesus was trying to feel the, uh, feed the multitude. He brought this little boy forward with his food and Jesus multiplied it to where they could feed 5,000 people. Many scholars believe that Andrew was the one, one of the first missionaries that went to far off lands to preach the gospel of Jesus. He was also martyred for the cause. Then there's Matthew. Matthew, Matthew. Now, if you watch The Chosen, they've done a wonderful job developing Matthew's character. And of course, they take some, some liberties with his personality. But Matthew is one of my favorites on that show. But Matthew was not a favorite among the 12. He was a tax collector. He was hated more than the IRS, okay? That's, that's how bad the Hebrews looked at tax collectors. Not, because, not just because they would take money and they would give it to the Roman government, but they would always keep some for themselves. They weren't honest. And we believe that Matthew was no different because Jesus refers to him as a sinner in these regards. Matthew was probably good with money, but the disciples didn't trust him. So they gave the job of treasurer to Judas, which didn't work out too well for him. He was the author of Matthew. And many believe that he carried the ministry to Ethiopia and was also martyred for his beliefs. Then there's Philip. Philip, also a disciple of John the Baptist, continued to minister after the resurrection. He spread the gospel to Samaria and Caesarea, and most scholars believe that he gave his life for Jesus. Bartholomew, or also many believe was Nathaniel, was super close to Philip. They were like besties, and he was also martyred. Then there was James, the son of Alphaeus. Now this possibly could be James the less. I mean, that was something that they would, they would use as a, as a description for him. I don't know that I would ever want to be called Tim the less, but, but he was James the less or known as that. He could have been James, the brother of Jesus, an author of the book of James, and he could have also been Matthew's brother. Then there's Thomas. Now Thomas is interesting. Thomas, Thomas had a nickname and it was the nickname of the twin now, we don't know why they called him the twin. It could have been because uh, he, was, he had a twin or they maybe believe that he looked a lot like Jesus or had some of Jesus's physical at attributes. He may have been a fisherman, we're not sure, but he was brave because he persuaded the rest of these men to follow Jesus and even to death. And we see this in John chapter 11, verse 16. 10 days after this final meal, Thomas doubts that Jesus is resurrected until Jesus shows him the nail marks on his, and spear wounds on his hands and on his side, which is where he got the name or where we get the phrase being a doubting Thomas. Now, Thomas went on to minister either in Parthia or Persia and maybe as far as India, he was also martyred. Then there was Jude, Jude or Thaddeus possibly the author of Jude, and he could have also been the brother of Jesus, was also killed for the gospel. Then there was Simon the Zealot. Now, Simon the Zealot was different than Simon Peter, completely different person. He may have been called the Zealot because of his, his uh, uh, ambition for the cause, or he might have been a part of a religious sect called the Zealots. These believers were militant 
in their beliefs. They thought the Messiah was going to set up an earthly kingdom and free them from the Romans. That's what they thought. They also believed, uh, they all, he was also believed to be martyred. Now these men were all believers, except for maybe one. And we'll think about, we'll talk about him in a second. But as a believer, they were a part of God's family. Now, when you're a part of a family, you always have a seat at the table. Now here at Fellowship, we take part in communion. And really the only uh, requirement we have is that you know Jesus too. And just like in the upper room, we want to have an experience with Jesus too. And as a group, all we have to do is recognize who Jesus is and that he is who he says he is. If you haven't joined this family, we wanna give you an opportunity to do so. We wanna be able to take communion together. But maybe you haven't made the decision to be a part of the family yet. Some of you, you might be right on the edge. Like you thought about becoming a Christian, you thought about making that decision, but something has held you back. Well, whatever that is, ask yourself a question. Do I really wanna go through life without the hope of a tomorrow? For some of you, you might say, well, I need more proof. Well, what more proof do we need than Jesus fulfilling 300 prophecies? that were written about him hundreds of years before his existence. And he fulfilled every one of them perfectly. One thing that's a real faith builder for me is that of these men, 11 gave their life for him. The 12th lived till, till, you know, John lived to an old age, but how he did that, I don't know. But the rest of them died for Jesus. Would you die for a lie? Would you die for a hoax? These men were willing to give it all because they knew Jesus was who he says he was. So don't go another day without knowing him. We're gonna make it super easy. What we're gonna do is we're all gonna bow our heads if you'll bow your heads with me. Maybe you've said this prayer years ago. You know you're saved. You know you're a Christian. You know Jesus lives within you. I would ask for you to say this prayer with me so that the people around you that haven't said it yet will feel more comfortable. So if you repeat after me, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins. And I ask you right now, to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life and save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if that's the first time you've ever said that prayer, we have all kinds of different ministries around here to help you be discipled. That's what these guys did. They were discipled, discipled over a three-year period because we wanna make sure that you get a foundation for your walk and your belief in Jesus. And it's so easy to get that information. You always stop by the information counter, but you can also use your phone and text the word heaven to 94,000 and you'll be given a link to get you some more information to help you on your walk with Jesus. Well, now I mentioned all of the disciples, except for one, Judas Iscariot. Most people know who Judas was. They, they know his story. He was the treasurer of this group. He was trusted by the 12 with their most precious possessions. Scripture says that he would steal from their offerings to benefit himself. He wasn't a good person. He was being used really by the devil to sabotage Jesus's ministry. And during the Lord's Supper, Jesus decides to confront him. We see that in John chapter 13, verses 21 through 27. The scripture says, now Jesus was deeply troubled and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other wondering, whom could he mean? I mean, you think about it. These guys have been together for three years. They knew each other very well. They're thinking, how could one person, one among us could be a betrayer? 
And then the disciple Jesus loved, we know as John, sitting next to him, says to Peter, who's he talking about? Who could he be talking about? Is there someone among us, really? So the disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? I mean, wouldn't you have wanted to know if you were at that table, who was it, who was the betrayer? And Jesus responded, it is the one to whom I give the bread, I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son, uh, son of Simon Iscariot. And when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. A few hours later, Judas would betray Jesus with a kiss. Not long after that, he realized what he had done and he, it, his guilt just consumed him and he ended up killing himself. Now you think about that. You think about these loyal people that would die for Jesus, that spent all this time with him. You might think, well, it's obvious while they're, why they're at the table. But why did Judas have a seat at the table? Well, for one, Judas fulfilled a prophecy made by Jeremiah about 300 years earlier that a man would betray Jesus. But most scholars believe that he, Jesus was also trying to show that a person could be exposed to all the miracles of God, see the ministry of Jesus firsthand and act as if they were saved and still reject God for their own selfish motives. You see, Judas, Judas didn't like Jesus's plan. So he decided to force his hand. Ultimately, Jesus wants us all to be saved. He desires, according to scripture, for all men to be saved. Judas had a free will choice, just like all of us. He just decided to make the wrong choice. Now we've all messed up. We've all done stupid things. Maybe we did stupid things last night. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and sinned in some way, and we all have our issues. But you know what? I don't think any of us have done what Peter or Judas ever did, and they had a seat at the table. Now, before the end of this meal, Jesus wanted to give his, his friends and really all of us a gift, a gift to remember him by. Now it's called an ordinance now. And he takes what's in front of him and he turns it into an illustration to, to illustrate the sacrifice he's about to make. And Jesus was great at that. He was great at teaching and giving illustrations and, and doing things that were symbolic and showing how tangible uh, things can be. And he was just, he was so wonderful at it. And so he starts to do that with the 12th. So I want you to allow yourself to be a part of this special moment with our savior in the upper room. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this meal. Thank you for my friends who have been me, with me these last few years. Thank you for this time of rest and worship together. Father, be with us and bless us. Brothers and sisters, I'm so glad that each and every one of you could be with me here in these last few hours. I want you to take a piece of this bread. This bread, it represents my body. My body, which will be broken in just a few hours for you. Every time you eat this, I want you to remember I want you to remember my sacrifice for you. I want you to remember what it represents. I want you to remember everything I've said to you. I want you to remember everything that I've done every time, not just this time, but every time you partake of the bread. Remember, remember, let's eat. Now see this wine, everyone? This wine, it represents my blood, which will be poured out for you. Poured out as a symbol. My blood confirms a covenant made between you 
and God. A promise from God to his very own people whom he loves so very much. My blood will be poured out to forgive the sins of everyone here. So as we drink this together, once again, remember. Remember my love for you. Remember my sacrifice for you. Because the world will try and make you forget. But don't. Remember everything. Our experiences together, our life together. Let's drink. This is going to be the last time that I will drink wine until the day comes that I drink it in the kingdom of God. Jesus says this is the last time I'm going to be drinking wine until a wedding celebration that we'll have in the future. Of course, he's talking about the wedding celebration between himself and the church. And we know it's going to be a seven-year celebration. While the world is in tribulation, we're going to be in heaven at a party with a seat at the table. If you made that decision today to receive Christ as your Savior, you have a seat at that table. Maybe you've made it in the past and you know you have a seat at the table. If that's the case, man, I can't wait for the party. And it's coming. The time we have here on the earth is, is short. So we need to make the most of it. If you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus, this is our time. This is our time. It's our responsibility to be telling those that we love about him or getting them to come to church or getting them in a small group in some way to where somebody can have influence in their life to direct them to the saving power of Jesus Christ. Over the next four weeks, we're actually gonna be doing a series called The Chosen. We're gonna be using clips from that series to teach all of us about Jesus, about the 12, and about that ministry that they had on earth together. And so I encourage you, I encourage you to watch the show and I encourage you to come back over the next four or five weeks. It's going to be awesome. Next week, we're going to be talking about Nicodemus. And if you've watched that show, the story of Nicodemus is pretty special. And we're asking the self, we're going to ask ourselves a question, what's holding us back? What's holding us back from the relationship we always wanted with Jesus? And what's holding us back from what our full potential is with him? Well, at the end of the supper, Jesus said, it's time for us to do some worship together. So they closed that dinner with worship. And so that's what we're gonna do this morning. If you'll stand with us and let's worship one last time together before we leave.
on, church. Let's lift up the name of Jesus. He is worthy to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We love you, and we can't wait to see you again. Have a great, great day. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text the word fellowship to 94000 and connect with our staff today. Now, if you're in need of prayer, we'd love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting prayer support to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. And as always, we're still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.